Hey everybody, welcome again to the Tradescast. It's a podcast dedicated to everything in the world of entertainment. For your enjoyment, I'm Jeff Fah. And I'm Tom Moss, and this is the Tradescast for the week of July 10th, 2016. Yeah, here we are in the middle of summer. It's finally happening. Um, by the way, Captain America, no longer the champion of the summer. It's Finding Dory, uh, which is really interesting. We talked a little bit. You can go back in the archives, anyone who's listening, uh, see the, what we thought of might be predictions. And those two seem to be the ones that would be the, uh, the tops for the summer. Uh, animals are big right now, Tom. Did you know that? Animals are big. Animals are big and animation is big and kids' movies are big, Jeff. What are we to make of that? I, I think that, again, you and I have discussed this. While there are certainly older audiences going to the theater, you're, you're trying to reach an audience that's basically 8 to 21. And uh, if, you could pick a, if you can make an animated movie that you think uh, parents are also going to enjoy, they're more likely to want to go to it. What's fascinating about the, the new one, The Secret Lives of Pets, uh, this thing is an original, you know, and originals are very scary for the market out there uh, because if you don't have a name backing you or it's a sequel or based on a book, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. And um, they certainly, they're they're beating the box office predictions. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to have to talk about Ghostbusters because, of course, um, there's been such weird backlash from this movie like I never would have expected. So, it's weird. It, I just think it's it's really, really strange. Yeah. I don't understand it. So we're going to have to check into that. Uh, let's get newsy-newsy for a minute. Um, I'm sure it comes to surprise you not at all that Roger Ailes <laughs> has been accused of sexual harassment by multitudes of women, dating back to the Mike Douglas show of the 1960s. Um, it, it reads like something out of a bad uh, nighttime soap opera. Um the things that these women say that he is saying sound like a joke. Sadly, I don't believe they probably are a joke, but they are ridiculous um, and horrifying. So um, do you think this is his comeuppance? Do you think that, like Bill Cosby, whether or not he's found guilty somewhere in some kind of court, that this is it? I mean, the Murdoch, even Murdoch can't take this. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems so. I mean, we don't want to, you know, make too many assumptions about what are, what has or hasn't happened, but it seems awfully, awfully, um, I don't know, strange or coincidental if, if, uh, we're, we're supposed to believe that all, I guess, six women that have come forward are, are, uh, involved in a conspiracy. So yeah, I do think this is it. And it's, it's interesting to think of these things in terms of tipping points too, because I, I gather, don't you, that, that this was sort of a, uh, a rumor or speculation in the industry for a while, or am I off base on that? I've, I what it blows my mind about this one is the same thing with Cosby, which is how these things sit there. It makes you wonder how many more major, major people out there we just haven't heard the story yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, right. Because he has been doing this, and these stories were very familiar. You know, similar, not familiar, similar uh, since the 1960s. And uh, the idea that it hasn't come out in public and it always takes this one thing, a famous person, um, you know, a big stand up comedian, something to to kind of get the ball rolling, so to speak. Um, I always think it's Fox and, you know, um, Bill O'Reilly went through his thing, didn't hurt him at all. 
and I think, yeah. well, it's, it's Fox, maybe not, but um, it may be enough that it bothers Murdoch enough that this may have been his way of just saying we're moving on. I'm thinking. Well, well, I mean, Murdoch will will support anybody as long as they are contributing to the bottom line, and I think that's going to be the calculus for Murdoch. I don't think it's going to be any sense of loyalty or justice. It's going to be um, how much this guy, if you know, if if convicted or if uh, if there's something to this, um, is is worth keeping around. What's the what's the return on investment? And I think that's. Probably even no matter what happens in uh, in the the civil case. Remember, this is a civil case against Ailes. It isn't against Fox News, which right? Is of course, how, how they are skirting the confidentiality agreement that Gretchen Carlson apparently signed. Um, but whatever happens with that, I think this is going to ding uh, Ailes. Although you can never, you'll never be able to um, say enough about what he managed to do in terms of creating a culture that made or, or tapping into a specific kind of culture in America that has made Fox so successful. It's do you think, do you think uh, in any regard this will have an effect on Fox News as a whole or how they approach the news? No, not one I bit. I, I think either. he <laughs> I think he designed, he figured out how to make sure that he he tapped into a group and said, "Yes, you're victims. You're being you're being ignored." And um, you're angry, and we're going to let you have a voice. And yeah. and that's worked. It's been amazing. Um, and so I don't see that changing. Um, but it's it's impressive how often someone who is a groundbreaker, someone's a revolutionary, usually things pass them by or they have some tremendous upheaval, and this is how they're remembered. It happened with um, Joe Paterno in college football. It's happening with Bill Cosby. It's an amazing thing where you go back to, at one point in their career, they're revolutionaries. Like, they are at the top of the stratosphere. And and they won't be remembered that way. No chance. So, um, yeah. So is it the power that corrupts these people? Is that what happens? I don't know. I, I just know that it happens a tremendous amount. Um you know, I wanted to talk about, uh, speaking of that, um, the Oscars have, of course, had a lot of, um, a, a lot of backlash, uh, and they're trying to address that. So I want to start by celebrating the fact that they're trying to address this, and they've added a lot of new members. Now, there was a story in The Hollywood Reporter that basically said, are, are they going to add it too fast because they're handing a, a new membership to people who, um, don't have as much experience uh, in knowing um, this material. And the argument went, well, maybe it would actually hurt the telecast itself, the actual telecast, because they, um, they'll they be picking things that may not uh, fit with the mainstream as much. Um, I, I don't have a problem with this. I think that having new members is a great idea. And I think uh, having a wider voice, as long as the people uh, involved know the industry and I think, you know, have been part of it, I think that's great. I don't mind that they're younger. I don't mind that uh, some, many of them are foreign. I'm, gr- I'm grateful that many of them are not white and that many, many of them are women. I think this is fantastic. I was a little surprised to see that there were 683 new members. And that, that made the, the Academy much larger than I 
thought it was um, or understood it to be. Do you know how big the academy is? It's what is it four thousand, five thousand, something in there? Is that a, is that right? Well, that, it must be. I mean, that, that would make that would make sense, I suppose. This it's, is by uh, far the massive, most massive new amount of numbers that they've had. Yeah. But again, I think this is great. We've we've been we've been touting this thing as being so important, you know. Um, but we're not giving it enough of a voice. I'm not saying making it the People's Choice Awards, but there's got to be something that allows a little bit more variety of voice in there. Um, something that, because I don't think that both the mainstream and the edges of the art world of film are being addressed enough. I think it's it, it usually doesn't, it just doesn't seem to grab the growing um variety that's out there especially with netflix and other things and, and i think new members is great are you concerned Has, about it or yeah well i don't know that i'm i'm concerned i mean you know there's there's bigger problems in the world certainly but um you know i i, I has there always been this tension in the uh, in the academy between the commercial and the artistic i mean i wonder if that how far that goes back um and if so i mean what what do we think the Academy is for? What should they be doing? I mean, if it's all about making a telecast once a year, um, you know, and, and having high ratings at that, well, that's that's one thing. But if it's about um, exposing the the, the mass, masses to movies that they, they that are that are of high quality that they might not have heard of, you know, that might not be such a bad task either. I'm not sure that's their either one of those are their missions necessarily. I don't either, and I don't think it's going to change the ratings for the show one way or the other. And I don't, uh, I don't think it's going to change viewership. It's hard to know. You know, Roger Ebert was touted as being an important film critic because uh, Ebert and then Ebert and Siskel were the first major major critics to start touting, um, you know, Im- Im- important small films. Um, without those films, you know, without them talking about them, many of those films would never have been seen by more than 50 people. Um, so I think those kind of people are important. And I think that if this, uh, if adding new members, uh, allows for films that may have only been getting recognition from the Spirit Awards, the chance to, uh, you know, to be seen by more people, that's great. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a dumb award show. So if we can well, get more variety in there, I think that's great. Well, I mean, this is further complicated by what we were talking about at the top of the show. I mean, I mean, the box office ain't what it used to be. And so promoting those those types of movies for adult theater goers in the first place may be a fool's errand. Um, you know, where does Netflix and Amazon fit into the future of independent film? Yeah, I, I, we're, we're going to see it in the next five years. It's going to be interesting, and I think we're going to start to see more and more films nominated for major, major awards for for the Oscars that played in two theaters and was it was a Netflix release. We're going to be seeing yep. that. So, um, speaking of which, <clears throat> um, she loves me, which is a show that I love, uh, a, a Broadway show that I love, um, was streamed live online, uh, and I love this idea. You know, although I never go see the opera in the movie theater, I've always loved. You know that they. The Met does this, um, you know, they do the, the screenings of these um, these mm-hmm. operas. And I keep thinking, why isn't there more of that for just Broadway? 
And and I love this idea that that there's going to be another avenue for people who can't get to see these major casts and these shows because they they just can't get to New York. Yeah. Well, I actually watched it. I bought it and um, and streamed it live, and so I had the full "She Loves Me" experience. And I'm glad to hear that you liked it because I I had not was not familiar with this play at all, this musical, um, by the same uh, team that brought us "Fiddler on the Roof" and "Fiorella" and uh, a, a couple of others. Um, it was charming. I really enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I'm glad they did this, and I I'm hoping it was successful enough. You know, I immediately wondered if Hamilton had ever thought about doing this. I, I think Hamilton probably should have. It played in a movie theater, you know, experience like they did with the opera for a couple of weeks. I think it would make millions of dollars. But sure enough, Lin-Manuel Miranda did make sure that they filmed the entire thing with the original cast. The discussion is that where will it air? I would still, I'm telling you, as hot as this thing is, I would air it in the movie theater for a month just to see what happens. But they're saying they'll probably air on PBS uh, along with um, this Hamilton uh, piece that they're doing. So, but isn't that nice to know that that they they put it out there? Apparently, there was a, a not a lot of press about it before he left because they were trying to keep those ticket prices at crazy pants. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't think it matters much anymore. I uh, in terms of their box office because I think their 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 box office is unassailable. No matter they could they could air this version of ha- uh, Hamilton weekly for the next six months i think the box office in every city would remain strong we've got tickets here in chicago in november by the way so oh that's fantastic well i just feel like they ought to put it in the movie theater i say why not it would be really cool um to get an experience because you know watching it streaming it that's great but just to see it in a bit on a big screen that would be much closer to actually going to it and i think why not I, I I don't disagree. You know, one thing I wanted to note about She Loves Me was how non-intrusive the camera work was. So I, I they probably had more than three, but it seems like they had about three cameras set up, one face, you know, full on, one off to the left, one off to the right. Um, there were probably a couple of others that I didn't notice. Um, but they did not have camera people on stage uh, following the action. And so it really felt, I mean, you really had the, the live theater experience. I mean, they would cut to left and right for, for uh, effect, but, uh, uh, you know, you got to stay on the dancing. Nothing drives me crazier, Jeff, in, um, uh, movie adaptations of musicals where you don't actually get to see more than three seconds of, uh, of the dance, of, of choreography. It's funny. You know, it, it's so funny you say that because I, I, I study this a lot in film and, uh, early film, particularly Fred Astaire and uh, demanded that his dances be done almost entirely in long takes and in long shots so you could see his whole body because he thought, why am I knocking myself out if you're not going to show people that I can actually do it? Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, PBS might be where that Hamilton shows, and we've, uh, we love that PBS has uh, w- incredible programming, including doing some uh, other musicals. Um, but they, they had a little faux pas uh, with oh. July 4th. What yes. do you think about them um, showing old fireworks and not telling people until after it was over? <laughs> um, yeah, I I think it's it's a it's a little crazy, and I think it's interesting to think of it. Um, you know, I guess just to fill in the blanks. I mean, they they had the uh, it was it was rainy in D.C. on the fourth, and and um, and what PBS did was they cut together three or four years worth of of fireworks displays, but they didn't they didn't tell anybody. It just seems so strange. And so while we are talking about She Loves Me and other things that are, that are working to make TV relevant, 
because it's live and, and it has that emotional feel to it. PBS did this. I mean, you might as well just get a, um, you know, like a, like, like a fireplace DVD, uh, a fireworks DVD and set it off yourself, uh, for all the, the good that this, this does. It's, 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 um, it's a strange thing to have happened, but I also think in the, in the larger scheme, it points to the way that PBS thinks about what they do. And I think that doesn't bode well for, for PBS if they consider this, uh, how they relate to their, their audience. I mean, I think in, to let's acknowledge that it's a relatively small thing with everything else that's been going on in the world this week. But, um, but still, it's worth, you know, worth thinking about. It is a small thing, but I did think it was kind of funny. Um, uh, you know, although in another way, it made me laugh because kind of you've seen one fireworks show, you've seen them all. If you're not there live, you kind of don't get the experience of the oohs and ahs of being with the group. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I can't imagine wanting to watch it in the first place. So, so, <laughs> so I think they just were so afraid that if someone knew it was old, even though it would look exactly like the new one, they just yeah. wouldn't watch it. So they figured, well, we'll tell them later. But yes, we expect a little more of PBS. Hey, I wanted to finish a little bit with one of our favorite conversation pieces, which is Netflix. Um, Netflix uh, is uh, uh, kind of uh, really, really making themselves at home and making themselves a major, major player, both with new content uh, and other content. For example, they've uh, they've got a new deal with uh, the CW, which. It sounds like it's actually trumping the deal that the CW has with Hulu, which is mind-blowing to me. Um, but basically, in getting their content sooner uh, and more of it, and Hulu is having some trouble get, kind of keeping the deal they've already had. Um, but also, Orange is the New Black is, uh, ended up getting some pretty major numbers. Again, we're looking at 6 or 7 million people watching uh, a show on Netflix. And I, I understand that's not 20 million people. But that's a hefty number. I know they don't want to talk about these numbers, but these numbers are going up, Tom. The numbers of viewers for some of their top shows are going up. Um, what, and that's what I think is absolutely. What I think is there's a couple things that I think are interesting and worth talking about here. Uh, Orange and the New is a new black got uh, over six million viewers and is considered. I think we could call it a hit, right? Absolutely. Um, Nashville got over 8 million viewers, uh, a week and it was canceled. It found a new home on the, uh, what, what we talked about the other, other Nashville, week. C- yeah. CMT. Yeah. Uh, th- what did I say? Nash- Nashville. Um, and so, uh, that I think speaks to, uh, again, some of the trouble that the, the networks are in. If 8 million viewers is, is a, uh, a cancelable show for Nashville. And that, that could be an expensive show to, to produce. So maybe not a completely fair comparison, but still very interesting. Um, go ahead. No, I agree with you completely. And, and, um, and, and that's the reason that this linear TV format, this commercial TV format is really, really hard to sustain anymore because you're, you're spending a lot of money on these shows and you're expecting now, of course, it seems modest by 10 years ago standards, but you're, you're expecting, hey, we need 10, 12, 14 million viewers on a show that's not too expensive to produce. And if not, we're moving on. Netflix is saying, hey, we, we can kind of, we can, uh, carry this burden for a little while and, and it works. You know, I think there's another thing to keep an eye on here is the deal that Netflix is working out will, um, allow them to air CW shows the day after they air on television, on cable, which is tightening the, uh, the, the, um, 
uh, the window immensely. It used to be not until the next season was about to air did they release the previous season. Uh, I mean, I wonder if this is a model for those cord cutters like us. This is extremely appealing because, you know, even when I had cable, a day didn't make any difference. I usually didn't watch it live anyway. Um, and so this is, I think, one, yet another step towards um, uh, this, this, uh, this, this new means of delivering uh, content um, uh, through Netflix and Hulu, uh, making cable irrelevant. It's pretty amazing. And, and this is a blow to Hulu, don't you think? Um, just the fact that they're having trouble making their deal and Netflix is making a, an even better deal than they had before. Why is Hulu having such a hard time finding its footing? Um, I, I, I subscribe and there's some good content, but it's not something I think of um, first. I mean, I check, I check and see what's new at Netflix. I check and see what's new at Amazon. And then I go to Hulu. Because Hulu is known as the place to watch shows that have already been on regular TV. Netflix is known as a place to have probably original programming first, movies second, and then TV third. Um, and so I think that Hulu just has trouble branding itself. I think it's still having trouble branding itself. And it's not only the TV content, but it's second and third tier TV content. I think that's where it got its reputation, too. Maybe that can change. They're, they've certainly been trying the last couple of years, but so far I don't know I don't know how well it's working. But Netflix, totally leading the way. And we'll just have to see some of that. They have so many new shows coming out in the next year. We'll see if uh, we're able to get some ratings for those and, and yeah. uh, how they're doing. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We'll be checking on the box office to see if all the animals are still dominating the box office. Uh, we'll be looking at some of the summer TV ratings, see what's kind of a hit and what's coming up in the fall. We'll be checking those things out and everything else in the world of entertainment for your enjoyment. So for Tom, I'm Jeff. Have a great day.